Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. Thank you, Brother Nate. Let's take your Bibles today and turn to 1 John, the back of your Bible, 1 John. I appreciate that song and the cross. If you're saved, has made a difference for you as well, and I'm thankful for that. 1 John, we, I told you we'd be starting a series today entitled Beloved from 1 John. We're going to study this book. We may not look at every verse, but this is a great book written to the brethren, to believers. And um, the idea behind our theme is how to love Christ, and how the love of Christ, I should say, can revolutionize your love for Him. Let me just explain. I think I set this up last week, this particular series, but, but let me just, just put everything down where you can get it, okay? How many believe we're going to meet the Lord? And how many believe we're in a little countdown? We have been really since the resurrection, you understand that, and so for each day we live, the closer we get to the return of Christ. And so therefore, we're to purify ourselves and try to live for the Lord the closer we get to his return. And also time is running out for those that are unsaved. If you're here today, you're not sure that heaven's your home. You're in the best place you can be to come to the Lord. We want you to come to the Lord today. We'll have an invitation for Christians and for those that are unsaved as well. So the idea behind this series is just not to teach you a book of the Bible. The idea behind this series is to get you to know Jesus Christ as a saint and to love him and understand how deeply he loves you. I will tell you, there's not a whole lot of things to hold on to in this life right here, but the one thing we can hold on to, and that is the Lord Jesus. Let's stand together, please, read him God's word. <clears throat> first John chapter 1, I'll read the first four verses. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. So many verses we could use as a text verse, but I want you to read verse number one with me out loud together as we speak about John's personal relationship with the Lord. Let's read that in unison, verse number one. Ready? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, 
which we have looked upon, and our eyes have handled the word of life. I want to speak on this subject for just a while this morning. He's real. And I want him to be real in your life. And I'm tired of this phone ringing right here. It's ringing on my watch. It's rang three times in Sunday school. It's rung three times since I stepped up here. And whoever's calling me, <laughs> stop, would you please? <laughs> Father, thank you for the time we had to be in your word. And I pray you'll challenge us, Lord, with truth. I ask you, Lord, please, to bind Satan. I ask you to let every person walk out of this building knowing they're saved. More than that for Christians to say, well, if he's that real, I want to know him like that. We have nothing to hang on but you. Teach us from that word we pray, please, in Jesus' name, amen. The word... Beloved, that we have used to title this series as a term of endearment that has its roots found in the beautiful language of the Bible. The Apostle John uses this word five times, at least in this book. Probably the most notable time is in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, where he writes these words. Beloved, now are ye the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. So I want to say to you this morning as we start this series, beloved, now ye are the sons of God. How many of you have trusted Christ your Savior? Say amen, throw your hand up, whatever. All right, now you're the sons of God. Not later, right now you're the sons of God. Let me ask you this question. How well do you know him? How well do you know the Father? How well do you know his Son? How well are you familiar with the Spirit of God that works and lives inside of us? The word beloved literally means the state of being loved. To understand that you're loved by God and that you're precious in his eyes, set above anything else in his creation. Our Lord Jesus Christ is called God's beloved son, but believers in Christ are known as the beloved of God, loved by God. He says again in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Let me just say it like this, in human terms. There is nothing like being loved with genuine love. And there's nothing like loving somebody that you can really trust. Somehow in our minds, we've been chafed in this matter of love. A lot of things occur, most people have have been, uh, many people, I should say, have been cheated on at one time or another. They've been hurt to the point that they rarely extend love to anyone. Some have used those particular experiences and relationships where love has failed them to prove and even view how they love God. Some view God as, 
as a wrathful God. Some view God as a God who really doesn't care and doesn't intervene in the lives of others. And because of their skewed view of the love of God, they often turn inward wondering, is there anywhere or is there anyone that I can love and they'll love me back? Ladies and gentlemen, there is a place if you'll just open yourself up and let Christ love you. In this book, God gave us a beautiful example of a man who had that kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is John. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote about us, wrote for us, I should say, about this genuine love in this book that we're studying. You see, in John's opinion, no one loved Christ like John, and no one loved John like Christ loved him. Now, if he were alive today, that's what he would say. We know theologically that Jesus loves the whole world. We know that Jesus Christ loves everybody equally, but how John felt about Jesus, and really how Jesus felt about John, there was a great love there. Jesus made him feel special, made him feel precious. And this loving relationship literally revolutionized John's life to the point that he was willing to follow Christ to the very end. They persecuted him. They placed him on the Isle of Patmos. But the love that John had for Jesus never failed. On the night of the Lord's Supper, you can go back and read this in John's earlier book, Jesus stated that one among them would betray him. Peter was there. He was afraid to ask the Lord and probably because of his lifestyle. Peter was rough. But he knew that the Lord would answer the question. If John would ask, because all the disciples knew how John felt about Jesus, and somehow Jesus indicated a little bit more about John than he did any other guys. And it's not because he didn't love them. It's just because of the way John loved him. And listen to the conversation in John 13. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. John wrote that. By inspiration, John wrote that. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake, and then lying on Jesus' breast. John saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus declared a little more information about that. If you kind of pick up the picture, you and I look at that Last Supper. We see all these people in the painting. Everybody's sitting around the table. But in, in Oriental days, that's not how they didn't sit around the table. The table was in the floor on a big mat. And they would lean over. They would lie down. They would kind of recline. It was very common for one man to lean on another man or, or whatever as they would eat. Kind of like some of you all would do if you're laying on the floor watching the Super Bowl game, eating popcorn and drinking Coca-Cola. But I'm just saying that uh, Peter knew that John could get the answer because of that relationship. And I just want to say at least five times in the Bible, John is described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. May I remind you the Bible is inspired of God. In history, John became known as the beloved disciple. Now, I want to tell you this, that if you can find a way to love Christ the way that John loved him, 
Jesus would make you feel the very same way. I want to say that again. If you can find a way to love Christ with a pure love, the way John loved Jesus, you would feel loved the same way by the Lord Jesus Christ. We blame it all on him. Oh, Jesus wouldn't love me, or he would do this, or he would do that. Maybe we ought to back up and just say, how much do you love Jesus? How much? It's life-changing. So our Lord so desires to love each of us very, very deeply. The very first verse in the Bible gives us a very dynamic human assessment of our Lord Jesus Christ from a human perspective. And number one, why don't you write this down? I think I have three, maybe four points. I'm not sure. If you'll listen carefully, I'll stop at four. How about that? Number one, notice this. We see John declaring that the Lord Jesus Christ is real. And watch how he does it. He's very personal. He's very physical as he, you might say, as he mentioned this. He says, that which we have, which was from the beginning, which, was, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Here's what he's saying. He's saying the Lord is real. He said, the one that I'm going to write about in this book that I'm penning by inspiration, I want you to know he was a real, live, walking, talking son of God who came down was born of a virgin. He says right here, verse, verse, verse 1, talks about he was from the beginning. That's speaking about his divinity. That's speaking about the triune God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and John is saying, this one we saw, this one we walked with, was the very God. He says not only here was he divinity, but he talks about his voice. He said we heard him talk. I mean, many, many times they would sit there in those three and a half years and John, a human being, with like passions just like you and I, with hair, hair on his head and, uh, and uh, uh, a nose and everything. He was, uh, he was a human being, but he heard Jesus talk. He said we heard his voice. We saw his visage. We, we see here that John says we had a chance to see him with our eyes every day. We got up, we walked with him, and, and, we, and we, we, we spent nights there, all of the disciples together, and we wake up in the morning for breakfast, and we go to bed at supper. We saw the man with our very eyes, his virtue. In other words, uh, they said we looked upon him. That means that, that not just looking as far as seeing, he already said that. He says we scrutinized him, we assessed him, we evaluated the Son of God. We watched him to see if he was real. And he said, this is what we found. We found that he was perfect. Said so we looked upon him. We see his vitality here. I like this. In other words, his being. We touched him with our hands. Watch this now. The very first verse that we're, we're familiarizing ourselves with the one that he's talking about who's the son of God. Here is a man, and all 12 could have written about it, but here is a man who said, we shook his hand, we hugged his neck, we leaned on him, we were with him, uh, tugging around through some of the stalks of corn, walking beside him, bumping up against him. We literally 
felt and handled with their hands. The Son of God. You and I are the beneficiaries of hearing a man by inspiration have said, I saw him. I heard him. I walked with him. I ate with him. I heard his words. I shook his hand. I hugged his neck. Jesus Christ is real. Is he real in your life today? He goes on to say, we listen verbally to his inspired words. The phrase word of life references back to John 1.1, 1, 1, which I just quoted in the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. Ladies and gentlemen, the closest thing you have to Jesus Christ right now is that Bible laying in your lap. The Bible says in John 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. He said John writes about it then. John writes about it now. He's still the Word. Again, John writes about Jesus being the Word when he describes Him in, in the book that he wrote by inspiration, Revelation 19 verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. You're not going to get away from it, ladies and gentlemen. Don't read it, never pick it up. Don't believe it, no matter what everyone do. But I want you to know that you will face the Word of God when you get to heaven someday. We better familiarize ourselves with it now. We see that he was the very word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, he's real today. This one who so desires to love you with an everlasting love is as real as that person sitting next to you right now. And the only reason you don't think he is real is because you have not faithfully searched for him in the scriptures. Hear me and hear me well today. Just as sure as I'm standing here, Jesus is real and walked this earth in the incarnation with a physical body, ascended back up into heaven with a physical body, and is seated at the right hand of God in a physical body. It's called the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not talking ghost stuff here. We're not talking spirit stuff here. We're talking about a real son of God in a real heaven that he's prepared for you and I. Jesus said to his believers, in his day, he said to unbelievers, I should say, in his day, John chapter 5, listen to this verse 37. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he has sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. The biggest mistake any human being will ever make is to take that Bible right there put on a shelf and never get it off. By the way, you will never have the relationship that Christ wants you to have and you'll never feel the love that Jesus has for you till you learn to get in the Word of God and search the Scriptures. That's what the Bible says. That's why he says Jesus is the Word. Now, with all that said, if Jesus is real and we believe that he is real, then there's a couple things we've got to deal with in verse 2. Number, number 2, that means eternal life is real. 
Eternal life is real. For the life was manifested, verse 2, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. In other words, Jesus, because he walked with us and because we knew he never had a beginning and we knew he never had an ending, verse 1, and because he taught us about eternal life, then he said this was manifested to us. We manifest, in other words, we show you as well in your generation, we take the cover off and we'll let you know Jesus is real and eternal life is real. How many believe eternal life is real? Say amen. It's real because we read about in the Bible. Again, the apostle John said in his younger years, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God loved us so much that he gave his son to die on the cross for our sins. First John chapter 5, he writes in the book we're studying, verse 11, and this is the record, this, this scripture, this parchment, this Bible, and this is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the son hath not life. Ladies and gentlemen, I would submit to you, if you ever plan on going to heaven, you better get to know the son, Jesus Christ. It starts by believing in him for a free salvation. The greatest gift that anyone will ever give to you is the gift of eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus had walked almost to the end of those three and a half years with his disciples. He's getting ready to go away. And the disciples started questioning it. And again, John wrote this in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a place called heaven. It's a sweet by and by. We're all going there someday. And you ought to thank God for it. You're going there if you're saved. Eternal life is real. Eternal life is real. We're living in a generation that's trying to make Christians look like a bunch of bozos and that this thing called the gospel is nothing but a pipe dream for weak-willed weak people. By the way, let the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing as the psalmist said in Psalm 2. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ is real and eternal life is real. It's based on the Bible. Say, I don't believe the Bible. Well, then you're in a heap of trouble because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number three, if Jesus Christ is real, then fellowship with Christ is real. It's possible. Listen to what the Bible says in verse three, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why? All those years we walked with Jesus. I want to tell you something about him. And here's why we want to tell it, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father with his son Jesus Christ what are you saying is this you can have the same fellowship with Christ that he and Peter and Andrew and the rest of the apostles had have that same fellowship the Bible doesn't write about this but they were together 24-7 John said this in his last chapter in the book of John he said while if everything was written about Jesus the books all the books in the world couldn't contain it all so they wrote about those things by inspiration that you and I need to know. But could you just imagine some of the things, some of the things they talked about that day, that day that Jesus told them to go pay their taxes and said, we don't have any money, pay our taxes. 
And they see, see Rich Daniel said, well, here, let's just get you a little bit of money. And pulled out a fish and pulled money of his mouth, out of his mouth and said, go get rendered to Caesar things. How many of y'all believe that happened? That happened. I could just see Peter saying, yeah, I'm glad you got that money, John. I ain't paying my taxes. I don't like that Caesar feller anyway. I could just imagine what these guys said. They're all a bunch of rednecks, a bunch of cussing fishermen when they got saved, rough as a cob. And Jesus was always, always trying to keep them in line. For instance, that time at the Lord's Supper when they're all kind of laying around and they're, and they're breaking bread and all that together and, and uh, Peter's laying over there all sprawled out. The Bible didn't say he looked at John and said, uh, tell him, ask him who it is. It said he beckoned. It's kind of like this. And John knew what that meant. And the reason why John knew what that meant is because here was probably the conversation, you ain't nothing but a good to shoe. I'm so sick and tired of you saying, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Well, look, look, look. And by the way, it comes up at the end of uh, when Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven. And Jesus calls Peter in and said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? <laughs> you know I love you. It's not what I'm talking about, son. And he got right down the end, and he finally had to force him. And Peter said, Lord, you know I love us, thee. And then he said this, what about John? How's he going to die? I mean, those two, I'm not saying they fought like cats and dogs, but there was certainly a rub there. Because Peter's the one that kind of blew it there in Pilate's Hall and all of that. And John stuck right with him. And, and boy, this didn't add insult to injury. I mean, when it got down to where Jesus hanging on the cross, of the seven wonderful sayings on the cross, Jesus looked down and said, John, you take care of my mama. He said, if he could spit, he set the woods on fire. I'm so tired. Take care of your mama. Take care of your mama. Well, you know what I think, by the way, and I don't know any of that happened. It probably did. But you know what I think? I think I want to be like John. I want to be the disciple who loved Jesus. That fellowship you say, oh, John walked and talked with Jesus three and a half years. I've never done that. Well, theologians say the apostle John was about 94 years old when he died. He was the only apostle that did not die a martyr's death. Now, they tried to kill him. They dipped him in boiling oil. Most believe that he was saved in his early 20s, so he would have only seen and heard and handled the Lord for those three and a half years of Jesus' actual ministry. Apart from the visions that he received from the Lord on the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Spirit, John really never saw or heard or handled Christ again. So out of 94 years of life, only three and a half did he actually see. But he still believed the Son of God was real to the very end. God allowed John to write what is called the prayer of intercession of Jesus Christ, a precious prayer found in John 17. Hear what Jesus said to God in this prayer in verse 20. As Jesus is praying, John writes under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Jesus' words, and I quote, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me. Through their word. 
Not because they've seen me like John. Because I'm gone to heaven. But because they believe through the word of God. Again, after his resurrection, John pens this event about Thomas when Thomas doubted the Lord's resurrection and entered the room. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 20, verse 27, Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Handle me. I'm real. Be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Listen carefully. Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. You know who he's talking about? Everybody in this room. Everybody in this room. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have the word. I shouldn't have to stand up and say Jesus is real, but I say that Jesus is real because he is, and also because our world is not acting like he's real. Because he's real, you can have eternal life. And because he is real, you can have fellowship with the Son. Then number four, because he's real, true joy is real and can be attained. Look at verse number four. These things write we unto you that your joy, your joy, my joy, may be full. Here, John is literally saying that what I'm writing to you, what you're reading right now, the black letters on white pages, and what your preacher is preaching on right now is intended to bring you joy. Fullness of joy. Filled to the brim. Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, to the saints who were under persecution. He says, and I quote, But the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter was preaching to a generation of people that never had a chance to see Jesus Christ, but he says right now, what you're going through and the suffering you're going through at the hands of the Roman Empire, you need to have joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory because of what you have in Christ Jesus. Those three and a half years that John walked with our Lord, he taught them all to have joy. Joy. Joseph Carlson conducted the orchestra for a big band that played in huge dance halls around the turn of the century that was called then known as the Roaring Twenties. He began to see that his career that had promised him true joy and happiness in life actually had robbed him of any joy. His life was broken. God convicted his heart one night in old-fashioned revival meeting of all of his immorality and gross sin. And he walked the aisle and trusted Christ as Savior. 
Shortly after his conversion in 1939, he wrote these words. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Would you sing that with me, the chorus? If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. It goes like this, your sins he'll wash away, your night he'll turn to day, your life he'll make over anew. Sing it. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. You can be happy, but there ought to be a deep down abiding joy in your soul because of what Christ did for you. I just want you to know that Jesus is real. and He wants you to know that he lives. He's alive. He loves you with an everlasting love deeply. Because of that, eternal life is real and fellowship with God is real. And Jesus Christ can put a smile back on your face. With everlasting joy. I close with this. I distinctly remember when the Twin Towers fell in New York City. The Pentagon was attacked September 11, 2001. How many of y'all remember that? Hold your hands up. We are nearing the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of that. I remember exactly where I was at, and I remember how I felt. That night, they interviewed a man on the evening news, and he said this. The whole thing seemed surreal. The whole thing seemed surreal. That was a new word for me, and a new word for most of the world. But we heard it repeated over and over and over again on the news. Surreal. This all seems surreal. Buildings falling, people jumping for their lives, our Pentagon attacked. It just seems surreal. We saw the pictures over and over again as the planes plunged in inside those buildings like torpedoes and they exploded and melted to the ground. It just seems surreal. I came to learn that word meant this, surreal, a mixture of fact and fantasy. That's strange. They're not even remotely alike. But that's how America began to live. In other words, it was certainly real, but it didn't seem like it should be real, and it seemed like it should not be happening. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 2021. I believe that our generation battles reality more than it ever has. One author described it like this. It's like you wake up every day and bite into a big fluffy stick of cotton candy. You taste it and you sort of swallow it, but immediately it was gone. And it's like cotton candy definitely was real, but it didn't seem real. It had very little effect unless you ate enough of it and you got a stomach ache. And the author said it was kind of a letdown. 
That's where people are at with relationships. That's where people are at right now with our government. That's where people are at right now with the things that are going on morally speaking in America. It's real, but it doesn't seem like it should be real. And sadly, that has crept over into people's faith. When the opposite should be true. Well, I want to say this today before I'm finished. Life is real, regardless of how surreal it may seem. And no matter how many letdowns you may have through relationships or other efforts in your life's journey, there's one thing that is constant, and there's one thing that I want you to know, and that is this. Jesus is real. And he wants to be real in your life. Our heads or heads are bowed or eyes are closed. I'm talking to probably most of the crowd that's saved. But we're struggling with what reality really is right now. And I want to bring you back with a page of Scripture and tell you this. That Jesus is real. Eternal life is real. You can have fellowship with Christ. You can walk with Him. You can talk with Him through prayer and the Word of God. And you can have real joy again. But it starts by searching the scriptures. It starts by getting back in the word of God. Saying, I'm going to study the Bible. I want to know Jesus. Search the scriptures, he said. But they tell of me. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And I believe today that there are a host of people that says, I want to have that relationship with Christ. I want to feel loved by him. And I want him to know that I love him. I'm going to just say today that this altar is open and God wants to, he wants more than anything else for that to happen in your life. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, how many say this, preacher, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, I've got that all pinned down. Would you put your hand up real high? I'm saved, I know I'm saved, I've got that all pinned down. Thank you, put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand right there, you're not sure you're saved, maybe you could raise it right here. Now, it wouldn't embarrass you, it wouldn't come to you in any way. But I want to right now say, Preacher, I don't know that. Would you pray for me? No one's looking but me. Just put your hand right up, right back down. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Just put your hand right up. I'm looking right now. Not sure I'm saved. Anybody like that? God bless you. Now, let me ask you this question. Christians, let me ask you. How many say today, God spoke to my heart. I want to have that fellowship with Him. Preacher, I know I got eternal life. I got that all set. I want to have that fellowship. I want to have that joy. I want to have that walk with him. How many lift your hand and say, Preacher, that's what I want. Would you put up real high? That's what I want. That's what I want. God bless you. Many hands raised. You can pray right there in your seat, and that's fine. But would you tell God? Would you tell God right now, dear God, would you help me start this journey? Would you help me take this thing serious? I want to know you. Maybe you just want to come to this altar and just whisper a prayer to him. Say, Lord, please, I'm starting my journey today. I want that fellowship. We want you to come. Father, bless this time together. And I pray for those that are here that are not sure they're saved. Help them to come. I pray for those that are saved. They've not been baptized. You'll help them to come and get that settled. And then, dear God, I pray for those who'd like to join our church. Would you let them come today? And for these who lift their hands about this relationship. Oh, God, we need to know you now. We're going to see you soon. Jesus name I pray